All right, welcome to another All About Nothing podcast. I am your host, Barrett. This is episode two. Thank you for joining us. Always going to try and make these as entertaining as possible because certainly want to keep you coming back for more. And I can't honestly just assume that you're going to do it because you think my voice sounds great. Of course, if you do, you can always tell me. If you want to follow us, me, really, uh, on my uh, Twitter account, the Twitter, it is uh, at Barrett Gruber. So that's at B-A-R-R-E-T-T-G-R-U-B-E-R. Welcome to do that. I will be happy to take the followers and be happy to uh, return the favor, of course. I think that that, that's still a thing, wanting people to uh, follow you back. Always wanting you to follow you back. But uh, you do that, I'll follow you back. So uh, then we can maybe have a conversation if uh, you have anything that you want to talk about or that I should talk about or you want to hear my opinion on things. You certainly do that. So uh, this week, um, there's uh, there's not a whole lot of funny that I've picked out. And uh, there were some Trump tweets this week. So I'll uh, try and make sure that I include one of those. Uh, in our Trump Tweet of the Week. Uh, I'll have to find one because, honestly, I was doing research on some other things and completely forgot to uh, to pull that up, so that is my fault. But, uh, you know, that's one of the nice things about this is that I can always edit it back in uh, unless I just do this continuous recording for 30 minutes of just nonstop talking. So that is also entirely possible. Uh, I, I would not rule that out. So um, one of the things that uh, we are going to get into um, this week, and it's been a discussion around some of my uh, coworkers, um, that uh, gun control seems to come up a lot. And one of, one of the people that we work with has gotten very excited over the last six or seven months over his uh, necessity to now own a firearm, and and I, I I get that it's very exciting for him. I'm not gonna name names because he knows who he is, and if he's listening to this, I'm proud of you. You know, you've uh, you've jumped on that Second Amendment right, and uh, you know, um, I am I'm looking forward to the day that most of these Second Amendments amendmenters. I guess that's did I just make that up? I think I did. I, I am excited for most of these supporters of the Second Amendment as excited as they are about it and as um, fervorously, is that a word? I don't even think that's a word. As, as, as strongly as they agree with or believe in the Second Amendment, um, I don't see any of them running out to go pi- purchase their own uh, muskets and um, ball load or you know gun loaders, things like that. I don't, I don't see them doing that. They're always talking about buying, buying the, the um, multiple um, <laughs> multiple weapon or multiple round discharge firearms, you know, like a handgun that's a semi-automatic um, or a rifle that's a semi-automatic, that sort of thing. So it, it's always it's always interesting. Um, and, and, and I think we'll get into that some uh, just because I have interesting thoughts on it, I think. Um, uh, we're also maybe going to talk a little bit about police shootings this week because there was a shooting that I was uh, surprised to learn about and read some of the details behind it. It was um, disturbing, to say the least. Um, it was, and and it was it was in Minnesota, and it was involving a woman um, who, forty uh, year old woman, Australian woman, um, and I may t- 
totally botch her name, but we'll we'll get into it um, here after a little bit. Um, also, throw in some interesting side notes on things, um, but we'll get into uh, to all of that here in just a little bit. Um, go ahead and kick it off, I guess. We're, we'll start off talking about gun control. And uh, one of the things that I feel in believing in the Second Amendment, which I do, I believe that it definitely is our right to own and bear arms, you know, um, I, I, I believe that, uh, responsible gun owners are, um, probably one of the more likely to protect their homes, their property and their family. Uh, the key word in that is responsible. And I feel as though we as Americans uh, and as a society worldwide, human beings, um, we have come up with regulations and ways to verify responsibility, either through uh, licenses or insure, you know, uh, requirement of insurance, things like that. So um, one of the things that when, when we talk about it at work, I, I say things like, well, you know, I, I don't see the harm in background checks. I don't see the harm in testing. I don't see the harm in um, requiring some sort of a license to carry a firearm. And one of the things that always comes back is, is, well, that wasn't in the constitution. And I say, well, the constitution is designed to be a living document. It's designed to be something that is updated as we progress and evolve because the founders of this country certainly recognized that there needed to be the ability for our country to make changes as times change. And one of the things that I, I continue to bring this up, and I'll say it again, is I don't see anybody purchasing muskets and loading their lead balls uh, with uh, gunpowder and packing it down. I, I don't see that. You know, when <clears throat> when when the Second Amendment was written and uh, and ratified into the Constitution back in 1791, the fastest that you could reload a firearm or a rifle, or if you were rich enough. You know, you had you might have had a handgun um, or a hand musket, a handgun musket that you could fire. But the quickest you could probably do it is maybe 25 seconds. And I really believe that 25 seconds is probably the quickest that most people could probably load a musket with the requirement of having to, you know, you, you have to set the you have to set the flint, you have to set you have to pack the powder, you have to load the ball that these all took time. And when the right to bear arms was put in place by our founding fathers, I, I absolutely believe that their intention was, well, as things, as technology progresses, um, I believe that they knew that times would change and that, that that would need to be updated. And we haven't done that yet. And I think one of the ways to update that is definitely through the, uh, the use of mandatory background checks. Um, you know, I've I've mentioned it before, and you can find data out on the internet about um, the assault weapons ban that took place that that was in place from 1994 to 2003, and there is evidence to support that during that time frame, uh, we did see a decline in the number of violent crimes involving assault weapons. Uh, that's not to say that there isn't a necessity for them in a military use or a police use, that sort of thing. But I, I during that time, um, essentially the, the, the assault weapons ban was, was uh, put in place um, under the Clinton era and it, and it lapsed in the Bush era. 
And um, it is definitely something that they could have extended because I believe that based on the statistics that we did see positive outcome uh, using the assault weapons ban. So what essentially did it ban? Okay, so between the years of 1994 and 2003, uh, gun manufacturers in the United States could not produce assault uh, weapons, assault rifles, assault weapons um, that had a specific um, rate of fire that had a specific size of magazine could not be manufactured and sold or couldn't be manufactured in the United States. And also all of those things could not actually be imported from other countries. So you did not have new assault weapons or new rifles, assault rifles being produced in the United States. You did not have them being um, brought into the United States, imported, you know, from the Ukraine or, you know, some of these these Eastern Soviet or these uh, not Eastern, but Soviet countries that uh, are Soviet states that had collapsed. And of course, their their weapons were uh, making their way into the uh, the the market here in the United States as, you know, uh, people would buy them up. But during that time frame, you did not see new weapons being introduced into the market here in the United States. There were still weapons out there. Um, so there was still the likelihood or possibility of violent crime using those weapons. But when those violent crimes occurred, if the police uh, seized those weapons during a crime or after a crime, those weapons were um, either reinstituted into the police departments that had captured them or they were destroyed. After the assault weapons ban, those weapons are now available to be sold by those police officers, by the not officers, but of the sheriff's office and local deputy, uh, local state level city, you know, that sort of thing. Um, those weapons were allowed to be reintroduced into the market after violent crimes, after they had been, you know, there had been trials and things like that. So once they're cleared, they could be put back out there as well as the importing of those weapons, as well as the manufacturing of those weapons. And since 2005, we have seen a sharp increase in the number of violent crimes using those weapons. I absolutely believe that if the assault weapon ban were still in place, that we would likely see the same sort of decline in those types of violent crimes using those weapons. Will they use other weapons? Sure, it's absolutely possible. You could have someone like in London that would um, go out and, and, and kill people with knives. It's entirely possible. Um, but the idea is to, in my opinion, the idea is to lessen the possibility of those things happening. And if you take away one of the tools or you decrease the number of tools available, you will see a decrease in that crime. So what does the Second Amendment say? It is quoted as being a well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, that is it, end quote. It, it doesn't go on anywhere else. It doesn't say anything else. It doesn't actually have any more information about uh, what is implied or what is absolutely meant. And and I, I, I kind of get upset at the Founding Fathers for writing the Bill of Rights and writing some of these in the way that they did, because it's like people with the Bible. They will interpret it the way that they want to. They will interpret it, or they will allow someone else to interpret it for them, and then they take that and they 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 run with it. And, and that's it's the same thing over and over. So my opinion is that this has opened up a loophole for those that want to claim to be on the higher ground and say that they are supporters of the uh, 
uh, Second Amendment absolutely and final. I mean, that the, the, they have the right to, to own and buy whatever firearms they want to, whenever they want to, and as many of them as they want to. When, when the amendment was written, again, a rifle, or if, if you were super rich, yeah, a handgun even. Those were muskets. It took time to reload them. You didn't have the ability to fire off a hundred rounds in a minute. You didn't have the ability to take a weapon and cause mass casualties in in, in a way because you were fire, you were limited to maybe two rounds a minute. But now you can fire a hundred rounds a minute, or or some 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 weapons even faster than that. I, I it's it's. It's it's perplexing why anyone that cherished human life at all wouldn't look at this and say, you know, well, maybe it's time to update this. Um, weapons now invented in, or improved since 19, or 1791, since it was uh, instituted into the Constitution, should, and in my opinion, fall into a subsection of the Second Amendment that set guidelines and requirements. Maybe we should uh, instill in, 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 in or, or create... Uh, a national background check that is is better than what we already have. I mean, uh, you know, when I have my concealed weapons permit, I own firearms, and I have the ability to walk into almost any store or or or, or gun dealer and probably walk out with a gun. Um, that is <laughs> that is not a threat to anyone. I'm just saying that I I do have the ability to do that because I have been tested. I have I have I have proven through whatever regulations between the state of South Carolina and the state of Utah, I have proven that I have um, the, the responsibility to be a responsible gun owner. And I believe that <laughs> sometimes I get a little high and mighty about it, but I believe that that, that gives me the right to carry a firearm or, or conceal a firearm. I know some states are going to non-concealed or open carry states, and um, and and that makes <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable because I believe that that infringes on my Ninth Amendment right, which is the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be uh, construed or deny or disparage others retained by the people. And I feel like if I take my children to the park and I see some Joe Schmo walking around with a with a with a forty-five on his hip not concealed, it's going to make me uncomfortable. And I feel like my rights to be comfortable are being infringed on. I, I at that point, I don't care about his rights to carry it, it. It's, you know, but this is the argument. We go back and forth. Are my, do my right, do my rights supersede that individual's rights? Um, but and that's part of the problem is that the amendments can be interpreted um, in, in ways that, that benefit you and take rights away from someone else, even even citizens of our own country. It's, it's, it's difficult to get around this, and, and it's hypocritical of people to think that their rights supersede someone else's, even though we all do it. Um, but, you know, to own a car, to drive a car, here at least in South Carolina, in order to drive a car, you have to have a license, okay? You have to be tested, a road test and a written test. So it's two tests you have to take. Um, you, you, you have to prove yourself uh, to be able to operate the vehicle in the presence of a DMV official uh, and, and be able to take this test and pass it, okay? Why can't we have the same sort of thing for guns? Why can't we say you are required to take a written test? You're, you're required to study for a written test, and you are required to then test in front of 
uh, some sort of law enforcement official that is approved to uh, do these tests. I don't, I don't understand why it's so difficult to, to make that the necessity in order to carry a firearm. I don't believe that that, it, that would infringe on anyone's rights to get a firearm if they have the ability to take the test and they have the ability to um, uh, take either of the tests. I apologize. If they have the ability to take either of the tests, then yeah, then, then they can uh, carry a firearm. I, I would be perfectly fine with that. That not a problem. Um, but you know, there are people that believe that the idea of having to take a test uh, would infringe on their rights or having to uh, physically show that they have the ability to operate a firearm in the presence of an official would infringe on their rights. I don't understand that. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, you know, I, they say that that has nothing to do with what's in the Constitution. And yes, that's true. But there's nothing in the Constitution about driving a vehicle. And I'm reminded, well, that's because we don't, we didn't have vehicles then. Sure we did. We had a horse and carriage. You know, if if we had vehicles that were like they are now that could cause severe damage to someone if driven by someone, you know, that was, and that doesn't even make sense because carriages could run over someone like a, a car could. But I, I get it. Uh, carriages were necessary for um, everything from transport of goods to operating on a farm, things like that. So I, I, I I'm, I'm off on a tangent and I apologize, but I, just, I feel like we could certainly have some sort of amendment made that would include the necessity of background checks and testing in order to own a firearm. Um, I, I don't know why not. That could be the 28th Amendment. Of course, I have other ideas for the 28th Amendment, and we'll, we'll get into those, I'm sure, one day. So if you have any opinions about that and you want to uh, you want to talk to me about that, please feel free. Again, my uh, my Twitter handle is at uh, Barrett Gruber. So I'm easy to get a hold of and I will absolutely respond. And if you'd want, uh, I can certainly discuss what you've said on the air with us or on the air or on the podcast. Um, but, you know, so if you want to do that, please feel free. And I would I would enjoy the conversation because I'm not here to shut other people out or to um, say that your opinion doesn't matter. I, I want to know what people's opinions are and why they feel that way. Um, I, I want to know because I think that it's important to have the discussion rather than just shutting down and not discussing it. Um, so uh, we're going to move on. Um, and, and, and I know this is going to sound like we're not moving very far on, but um, I want to talk about um, shortly or briefly um, about the incident that happened over the weekend. So I'm recording this today is July the 19th, 2017. Uh, over the weekend in Minnesota, a 40-year-old woman, uh, Justine Rosisic, 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 anyway, Justine Rosisic, a 40-year-old woman from Australia um, who was to be married to a Don Damon, who is the vice president and manager of the Little Six Casino in Minnesota. Um, she was shot. Um, after she called 911 reporting an incident, um, the police officers that showed up, uh, he, they, two officers in the vehicle, uh, riding a shotgun was uh, an officer, Muhammad Noor. Uh, Noor. Uh, apparently, when she saw them pull up, she came out of her home and approached the officers to tell them what was going on. As she was approaching, apparently there was a loud noise. Uh, officer Noor uh, had a swift reaction in which he pulled out his side piece, his firearm, his, 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 his handgun out of his, uh, holster, 
pulled it and fired several shots into her uh, outside of the vehicle. He was sitting inside the vehicle. This is disturbing. Um, first of all, I, I have police officers who are friends, and they are not easily shaken. Uh, I've I've never I've never known them to jump at an incident or sound or anything like that. There there is training involved that that police officers go through that this 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 should never be an incident. Um, it, it is it is absolutely disturbing that this happened to this woman, and and it. One of the things that bothers me is the fact that so many uh, sheriff's offices and police uh, police departments around the country have moved to having uh, these body cams. One of the things I don't understand in this situation, this woman was shot by a police officer who had a body cam but did not have it on. So do officers, and, and, and this is an absolute question um, I don't know the answer to it I'm not assuming there's an answer or I'm not assuming the answer but do officers get to choose when they turn the body cams on um, is that is that is it possible that they they can turn these things on and off as they please um, I, I I find that to be a little uh, <laughs> disturbing is the only word I can come up with because I can't understand uh, why if the so the body cams are not there just to protect the uh, the people that are involved in something with the police. It is it is an evidence uh, grabbing um, evidence by visual. It's 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 there to provide um, recordings of the police uh, operating, which allows for um, any evidence that's collected. That, that we have we have visual proof of evidence that's collected on the scene. We have audio, things like that. I mean, it's not, it's, people have this opinion of the body cams for police, uh, that the police have on them as being there to protect them from what the police officers might do to people, um, such as uh, African-Americans in this country being shot. And, 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 and I absolutely believe that that is a byproduct of, uh, or a good thing that is available in those situations. But it is also there to protect the police officers from incidents where someone might claim that something was done when there wasn't. So the body cams are available to be evidence to support both directions. And I, I absolutely believe that. But what good are they if they're turned off? I, I don't understand why they would be turned off. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, according to witnesses, like I said, the officer in the side, in, in the passenger side of the vehicle, apparently he heard a loud noise that startled him. He was able to pull his gun and fired at the woman that had actually called for their help. And I, I, I can't understand how something like this would happen. Apparently he has made no statements to uh, the state investigators um, that are investigating the incident. He's not made any uh, reports to uh, the press has not been given any information on the actual shooting. Um, there was a witness that did tell the press that he he was traveling by bicycle past after the incident occurred, and he did see uh, both officers attempting to give uh, CPR to the victim. So, you know, it, it seems as though this was 
uh, an incident that they at least tried to recover from by trying to do CPR on the woman. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it, it did not uh, help. It did not work for her. She did pass away from the injuries uh, that she sustained because of the shooting. Um, but like I said, I, I can't understand why the cameras wouldn't be on. Um, and apparently this is an officer who's been, uh, he's, he's been with the, this particular department for at least two years. He's been there since 2015. And, uh, and, and according to some of the reports I read, he had an outstanding career so far. So we'll never understand completely sometimes when things happen, but I believe that if he is, if, if he was not, if he was of sound mind and body, that this was an absolute accident, that it, 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 he never would have intended to harm this woman. Um, he, he was there to protect and serve. And I believe that um, this incident is one that will scar police departments because it, it happened the way it did and the circumstances behind it. And I, I hate to hear that because I absolutely have the utmost respect for police officers. But I also recognize there is a definite, there is a definite uh, sense of racism in the police. And I know even my police officer friends and sheriff's deputy friends will tell me, you know, that's just not the case. I, 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 and not specifically maybe with them, but I, I, I hear it. I, I hear the things that are said about, you know, one, you know, whether they're black or, or they're, they're, um, uh, from, um, Middle East or things like that. There is, there is definitely a, a recognition in, or a profiling of people. And, and it's, like I said, it's not everybody. It's not, it's, it, but it is sometimes it seems like with these individuals that are involved in situations where a, a, uh, an unarmed black man is shot to death by six or seven police that are on the scene. You Are you telling me that there was no way to subdue an individual without causing extreme bodily harm by shooting them? Is, is, is there really no way to do that? Is there really no way to subdue them and make an arrest without causing bodily harm? I don't believe that that's true. I can't believe that the first the first thing that you decide to do is pull your firearm and shoot. Um, I understand police are constantly under the threat of violence against them. And I hate that because it should not be the case. Uh, our children should be taught and, and brought up with the sense that officers are there to protect us, but these officers have to do their part too. And they have to be involved in the community and they have to be, they have to be a part of society in a way that is of a protective nature and not in just an enforcement uh, an enforcement nature you can't you can't constantly be pushing on the enforcement and not and, and lack up on the protection you just can't because what happens is people fall out of respect for the police officers or they fall out of respect for the individuals it, it just happens that's what we do we do it with our politicians we do it with our church leaders we do it we do it with any of these people that that decide that they are above what they actually are or that they are too high up on the chain or believe that they can't do wrong or what they do is always right. It, it just can't be done. So um, just as a side note, um, Justine Rosinski or Rosinski. Rosinski. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm butchering her name. Um, she's a white woman. Uh, so and the man that shot her um, was apparently of Muslim descent. 
I don't think that has anything to do with the other uh, or the or the circumstances behind what happened. But those are those are just the facts that she was white, Australian woman, and and apparently he is uh, he is of Muslim descent. So um, again, it doesn't necessarily mean it has anything to do with it. Or, or, or his decision, or how she acted towards him. We, we don't know. Nothing's, nothing's come out about it yet. Um, so <laughs> we're going to move on because that was pretty deep, um, and we're just going to do, uh, we're just going to do our Trump t- tweet of the week uh, because it's always entertaining, right? So uh, we'll, we'll do our Trump tweet of the week, which I did pick one um, just a minute ago. So uh, on the 18th at 9:26 a.m. Our president tweeted, and, and this, is, this, is, uh, this is a good one, the Senate must go to a 51-vote majority instead of a current 60 votes. Even parts of a full repeal need 60. Eight Dems control Senate. Crazy. Believe me. So, that, yeah, thanks. So, so the issue that I have with that, and actually I don't think, even think that was the one I chose. Oh, no, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> I I apologize. I don't know why I read that one. So we'll just be quick because we're running out of time. Um, So this was Trump's tweet uh, yesterday, July 18th, 2017, 8.53 p.m. And I quote, fake news story of a secret dinner with Putin is, quote, sick, end quote. All G20 leaders and spouses were invited by the Chancellor of Germany, period, press new, exclamation mark. So the, the the problem that I have with his tweet, and I'll just say it real quickly, is that from the video, it looks like he gets up and goes over to Putin, and they have what looks like a very entertaining conversation. Uh, there were no translators involved. There was no one from the press that was there to hear what was being said, things like that. And, and it feels like they're covering it up. It feels like they don't want to discuss whatever it was that was said. And it's so difficult for me to understand because for so long, um, my Republican friends, this idea of Russia was just so negative. They they did not like Russia. They didn't like the things that went on in Russia. Russia is communism. It is it is, it is absolutely still a communistic state. But for some reason, they don't seem to have a problem anymore with the Russia now because Trump has cozied up to them. But. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I am all in favor of all of the countries getting along. I am I am absolutely in favor of world peace. I, I cannot understand why we are so comfortable with a Russia that 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 goes into other countries that that is obviously attacking the 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 ideas that we are trying to work towards in Syria. You know, they they do not want the same thing that we want in Syria. But for some reason. I have I have friends that are Republicans that absolutely right now believe, well, if Trump's friends with them, then maybe we should all be friends with them. And it, it just doesn't make sense to me how we've we've how how we've turned all of this around and, and it, it it's it's hard for me to understand it. I just I can't But one day we'll get there and uh, hopefully I'll still be doing this so we can discuss it. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Again, thank you very much for joining me this week. I am Barrett Gruber. This has been the All About Nothing podcast. And I hope that you will join us again next week. Uh, if you want again, just uh, go ahead and send me a tweet at Barrett Gruber. You can uh, send that to me and we'll uh, answer any questions or anything like that. So hopefully I'll hear from you. 
Hopefully you'll listen again, and uh, we'll see you next time. The All About Nothing podcast is a member of the GOT Podcast Network.